Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast daily. It is Thursday and it is time once again for Bill Landis and me, Austin Ward, to dive into a spring position preview. And we're we're running low. We're still not going to do the offensive line because we don't have three hours for Bill to devote to that today. <laughs> we'll save that for another time as we get closer to the start of spring ball there at the uh, March 7th, I believe, is the official start uh, of camp for the Buckeyes, the first of those 15 dates. So instead, let's do something a little bit breezier, although there's plenty of intrigue as well with the Ohio State wide receivers, which, again, has the makings to be the best position group uh, of targets in the country. Uh, right or wrong, Bill? Yeah, I feel like we can just uh, say they're good and wrap up the show and then we'll talk to you on Friday. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that should be an easy one then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Brian Hartline's back, Marvin Harrison's back. That's a pretty good place to start. It is. Uh, I, I, like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka are, are the two main guys, obviously. But what makes spring interesting is I don't know how much either of those guys is going to do uh, over the next couple of months. Um, Marvin is is healthy, but... As we've said multiple times, he should be in bubble wrap and not be doing much during the spring. And, and Emeka has some things to recover from and, and won't do spring ball. So that opens the door for a very interesting kind of sophomore second year class that, that frankly didn't play a whole lot last year. And, and I guess in, in hindsight, it's not terribly surprising that they didn't play a bunch. But if you were going into last year and you would have told people like, listen, this, this group of receivers that – Granted, it might be like a, a slight step below than what you're accustomed to Brian Hartline bringing in, but it was still a very good receiver class. They're not going to play at all. People will be like, what do you mean they're not going to play at all? Like, of course, it's like someone's going to play, and it didn't didn't really come to fruition. So, um, I'm I'm very intrigued by by what those guys bring to the table, and by the fact that they should have ample opportunity to kind of show what what they're made of this spring. Yeah the uh, the season position preview in August or July is going to be a lot different than the one right now heading into March. And you mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. not needing to do anything, Emeka Ibuka having surgery. Also, Julian Fleming had uh, his shoulder cleaned out, uh, cleaned up, cleaned out. I don't know what they do to it at, at this <laughs> point, what's left in there. Uh, he can pretty much pop that thing in and out on command, uh, but he also will not participate in spring ball uh, and has been limited going through the workouts this winter as well. So you're that's the top three. And Brian Hartline has been pretty vocal, maybe even more so than than usual about you know top 10 projections and way too early ranking positional rankings that are leaving Julian Fleming off of that list uh that that three of the top 10 play for Ohio State and not just two uh, that doesn't really matter for March and April but other than it's a reminder that the entire starting rotation will not be out there so uh, we don't have to break those guys down really we already know what they can do Julian by the way was really good when he was I had an opportunity there to get healthy a little bit before the Peach Bowl had his best game of the season. So you can set that aside. And then the pressure, I think, or the spotlight really shifts to those second-year players who we saw very little of on the field as true freshmen. Yeah, and it's hard to even, I, I guess, like pinpoint a guy like, like if you were to say, like, who among that group do you think has the best chance to break out? And and I, I suppose you could pick one, but what would you be basing it off of? Like, you, you, didn't, you didn't see much last year. And I know when you guys were – down in Georgia for the Peach Bowl, right? C.J. Stroud was talking up Caleb Burton quite a bit, and which is funny because he's the one of the group that didn't play at all. So I, I don't, I don't really know what what to make of all that. I think when you when you think back of what you thought of that group when they came in, um, there was stuff to like about about each one of them individually. But going into the spring, like I, like I don't know, and 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 even if 
even if they do have a really good spring, then then what does that mean? Like there, there's probably I know you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this. There's probably an opening for like a fourth guy to enter that mix, right? Like if it's Marvin, obviously Emeka and Julian are the top three, and I, I guess you include Jaden Ballard in this conversation. But like there, there's a there's room for I think one more to be a guy who's going to get somewhat extensive targets in this offense, but there are nine guys vying for that spot and, and which should create tremendous competition between now uh, and when next season starts, but to handicap it and say, like, I think this guy is the favorite. I, I couldn't even begin to do that. <laughs> yeah, no. And a lot of times, I guess when we've had some of these other conversations throughout the off season so far, there's been maybe not enough attention paid to Jaden Ballard and his potential to become that. I think some of that is a product of Xavier Johnson taking a little bit of a step forward and helping there at wide receiver mm-hmm. last year. We didn't we didn't project that, and then he played very well again in that Peach Bowl, uh, which you can put extra stock in that given the level of competition and the stakes in that game. Um, and then some of it is also like just the consistency uh, of catch practice habits for Jaden Ballard. We, again, we don't get to see every single one. That's something that I've heard. Uh, is something that he's going to have to do to take the next step. And then you can look at him physically and still like, you know, just like, you know, I remember Berm talking about Paris Johnson's ankles and thinking that was silly. Well, I look at Jaden Bauer's legs and I'm like, those don't look like they could stand up to 12 games in the big, you know, in the big 10. Like maybe I could walk out there and snap them. The flip side of that is that I've had a couple people tell me that Jaden Bauer is running faster times than almost anybody else on the team, if not the fastest. So there's certainly a place for that. And he he is probably someone that merits more mention. So this is a pivotal spring for him. And we say that about a lot of guys. And sometimes it's premature. Sometimes it's right on time. I think for him, this is a moment where he's got to make a decision about what he's going to become for Ohio State, especially because, as you said, the opportunity uh, is certainly right there in front of him. Yeah. If you So if you think about the, the second year group, right, it's it's sort of. You, you better make your move now because the, the group that Ohio State just signed and three of them are on campus already for spring ball, they're going to be nipping at your heels almost immediately, I would think, based on their recruiting pedigree. Well, that's only heightened even more for a guy like Jaden Ballard, who, who's a, a step ahead, a year ahead of those second-year receivers, um, probably doesn't have the same amount of time to kind of figure things out. If you're a second-year guy who hasn't quite found his footing yet, that's almost understandable given what we know about college football. If you're a third-year guy in this position group especially – and you can't quite find your way, uh, that is a little bit of an issue, I think. And, and if you start to question whether or not you ever will find it. But but I think everything is on the table for Jaden. And you make a good point about his speed. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and, and Julian Fleming, like we all know the strengths of these guys. I wouldn't put like pure straight line speed at the top of the list for any of them. They're all tremendous athletes and, and they are fast. They're fast enough, certainly. But Jaden Ballard can flat out fly. Like that, that was his calling card, I guess, coming out, coming out of Maslin high school. So um, if there is a, an opening or you say like, okay, like this offense has this, this, and this, what's the skill set that it could perhaps use a little bit more of It's probably the take the top off the defense kind of long speed that Jaden Ballard has. Now you have to catch the ball once you get to that point and, and um, he'll have to build that chemistry with whoever the quarterback is this spring. But uh, I would fully expect that because of who's out, when we walk out there for the first spring practice, that Jaden Ballard is going to be a first team receiver. And and if he can make the most of that, then he's probably based off seniority, if nothing else, has the has the best chance to be that next guy into the rotation for the receivers. Yeah, and then that wave, the opportunity here for those second year guys. I like the way you put it that 
there's nothing really to base anyone's personal pick for who might break out. Like there's no on-field evidence of that. We've seen just a little bit uh, in practice, and there was some uh, in spring that we could evaluate for somebody like Keon Gray's, where there was a lot of mo- you know excitement over what he did in that game uh, last April. And it, I don't think it was just because of variety. Like if you sat down the three of us, like who's going to be it? I would have said last August that I thought it would be Caleb Burton. I liked. I, I know the place where he played his high school football, yeah. the development, that he, the opportunities there that you have, um, the football knowledge that he had, the experience when when Berman and I went down there, got to meet him and talk with his dad, and like, well, that would have that would have been where I would have placed my chips. Uh, that didn't work out, um, you know, for year one. But a lot of people liked sort of the athleticism of Caleb Brown or or Kojo Antwi as well. Like, but it's we're still in the same boat. We don't know other than that spring game and a little bit of excitement for Grays or, you know, seeing a flash in August when we were out there of the way that these guys move. Nothing else transpired for them in September, October, November, or December. And a lot of people wondered why. And <laughs> the amusing part when we talk about this on OhioState.rivals.com is like, you know, why isn't Ohio State developing these freshmen? Well, I'm pretty sure that we know Brian Hartline's track record <laughs> with these guys. So I don't know that that was the problem. Now, yep. what is it? It's going to vary from player to player. There's not one way that we can generalize it. Some people, and I've said this a number of times, CJ Stroud's comments about the maturity of Caleb Burton, we know that that was sort of what the issue was there to get him ready to go compete in practice every single day. But some guys could have injuries. Some guys needed time to physically develop like it wasn't going to be the same thing for all four of them, and it's not fair to even, you know, generalize it in that way. That they couldn't be developed. Right. No, I, I don't. I don't think it's 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 that issue. Like, yeah, I, I, there are plenty of evidence to the contrary that Brian Hartline is going to get the most out of his players. Um, I I do think that per, perhaps one thing that that happened with that group in particular because they were they were sort of riding the wave of, of what this position has become. And and the nature of, the, of being a receiver at Ohio State is now, if you are hand-selected and recruited and then signed with Brian Hartline, that says something about you. There's there's a bit of status that comes with that. Um, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. And and I think that, you know, put your shoes in, or feet, feet in the shoes of a, of a kid who's 17 years old who, who sort of finds himself in that position, you might think like, oh, I've, I've done something. Like I, I, I'm going to Ohio State to play receiver. It's a, it's a Cadillac position, as Urban Meyer used to say about the Ohio State running back spot. <laughs> um, there probably is a big old dose reality that smacks you in the face once you get to campus and realize what it takes to actually live up to that standard. And, and it's not to say that that group won't do it. They have every opportunity in the world to do so and, and plenty of time to get there. But I do wonder if, if that was a play just, just a little bit for them. Like, yeah, like, it does mean something that Brian Hartline picked you guys to come and be the, the next class to play this position here, but you also have to work to earn it. And, and there are certain benchmarks you have to meet before Brian Hartline is going to put you on the field here because of what that position means. He's not just going to throw anybody out there the second they set foot on campus. So I would imagine that that is probably understood at this point. And I'm sure Brian Hartline has his ways of getting that across to those players. Um, so now for them, it's about putting that on the field this spring when they're going to have plenty of snaps to, to show that they got the message. Yeah, no, that's a great point, especially like, and this, none of this is meant to pick on Caleb Burton because like how much more did Ohio state really need at wide receiver last year? They were doing just fine. Now when Marvin Harrison is knocked unconscious and you needed somebody else to step up, that's a different matter entirely. But like for Caleb Burton to go like, well, very 
four or five star, depending on exactly what ranking you give. I play in Texas. I spent the last year at Lake Travis. I'm going to Ohio State. I'm going to be on the exact same Garrett Wilson plan. Well, the secret about the Garrett Wilson plan uh, is that he had some of the exact same issues. Now, he was able to overcome them in a little bit quicker fashion, but I remember having some conversations during his first year in the hallway with Brian Hartline about, you guys keep asking me to put him out there. He's not ready. That was September, and it did happen by mid-October, and you know he made some obviously made some big plays by the time Nebraska rolled around and, and definitely later in the year uh, in the game. But, you know, that was – he had to deal with the same situation. Now, the, the way that he overcame that, he did that about six weeks earlier or or two months earlier or three months earlier, whatever, however you want to look at it, than Burton did. Like, it's not always going to happen for these guys, and it shouldn't always happen for them right away as true freshmen. And the other example that I might be able to point to, Bill, is Marvin Harrison Jr. We saw in the spring game for him in his true freshman year. Well, was he, was he not being developed? No, he was ready to go at the end of the year. It's pretty good in the Rose Bowl, but it's a combination of the guys ahead of you and being ready to actually meet the standard of the veteran players. You know, they're not just going to hand out these opportunities to guys who don't deserve it just based on their recruiting reputation. That is not how the wide receiver room operates at Ohio State. It's not, but and I, that probably leads to some of the frustration too, because even if you use all those examples, right? You use Garrett. Or even Chris Olave didn't break out until really the Michigan game of his freshman year. And maybe in the back of people's minds are like, okay, well, when we get, and even in my mind, I was like, when we get to that point in the year, one of these guys, one of these four is going to have mm-hmm. done something to warrant getting on the field more. And then it didn't happen. And as you mentioned, that, that did probably bite them a little bit in the Georgia game because they had to play Xavier Johnson, like as their ex receiver at the end of the game. Right. And I love Xavier Johnson, but. That is not the role that, that you want him in. And you kind of saw the, the one pass that CJ threw out to Xavier. If that's Marvin Harrison Jr., that's probably a completion late in the game. Or even if it's if it's Kojo Antwi or Caleb Caleb Burton, it's probably a completion because those guys are bigger athletes with longer catch radiuses and, and used to working in those kind of spaces. And, and Xavier Johnson, frankly, just isn't. So um, I, I do think I, I don't want to make too much of it, but I but I think the the, the speed at which those guys came along did end up impacting Ohio State a, a tad bit negatively at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't preclude those guys from, from hitting their stride now. So, like, I don't, I don't want to make too much of that. But you're, you are right. Like, it's not – nothing is given to anyone in that room. And, and I wonder, too, if seeing the example of that, probably the best example we've seen of that thus far with, with the group that just came through as freshmen, if that means anything for the guys that are stepping in now because they know that if they approach things – in a similar fashion, they're not going to get on the field this year. It's already competitive enough, and if you don't bring the right mindset, you're going to be waiting a year or two before you get on the field. Right. So what do you see as uh, Xavier Johnson's role moving forward? Yeah, so I I think there's there, – as I like look at the group as a whole and, and project out to the start of the season, I do think there's an opportunity for – like a more traditional kind of slot receiver to to kind of enter the fold. Like Emeka Abuka played a lot in the slot last year, but he is he's a bigger body guy. He's like more of like a power slot that you see in the NFL a lot. Xavier Johnson, I think, could do that. Um, he is an incredible receiving weapon out of the backfield, which I suppose is receiver skill, but maybe more running back skill. But then Tony Alfred says like, no, he's a receiver. So, so I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know how that works. Like clearly clearly by the end of the year, in their mind, they thought to themselves. Some of the things that we wanted to do with Jackson Smith and Jigba, we can do 
with Xavier Johnson. So that's probably still on the table. But I also think that there are candidates in the class we've been talking about and in the class that just signed to kind of play that slot role too. So um, I don't know. I, I think they'll use him because he's like, he's too good of a football player, just like a pure football player to not use him at all. Um, where that is, I'm, I'm a little unclear of, so, uh, uh, except for it's not going to be like on the outside, right? It's, I think it's going to be yeah. slot or um, out of the backfield. I, I guess one of my frustrations with the way the offense played in the second half of the season was that we saw that package. We knew it was dest- it was earmarked for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. And then they the Michigan State game, they let Xavier Johnson do that. You know, he had, I think, maybe four touches out of the backfield in that game. And it was like, okay, well, there's, they're breaking this back out so that the other 10 guys know this is what's about to happen. Get the rust off. Jackson's going to turn that loose against Iowa. And then, and then you're finally going to see the fully formed offense. I thought that Xavier Johnson showed enough at that point that they still could have used more of that down the stretch. They, they sort of mothballed it after Jackson's injury. By the time they brought it back against Michigan, it was like there was a neon sign over <laughs> his head. Like, if this guy's on the field, this is where the football's going. And it wasn't that effective in that game. And, you know, if he had had more opportunities to do that in the meantime, what would that have meant? Um, could Would it have been as effective against Georgia if it wasn't something of a surprise to them? I You know, I don't know. I, I just – I think you – some elements – that we know Ohio State kind of really wanted to do of the you know Kyle Shanahan San Francisco 49ers stuff and Debo and all that like and I'm not I'm not saying that Xavier Johnson is Debo Samuel but the things he could do that at at a smaller scale mm-hmm. and did so against Georgia like I just I think some of that stuff has to come more from the wide receivers unit to help Ohio State with the run game which they they're just is not going to ever be a traditional one I don't think um, even with Ryan Day and, and Justin Fry's fingerprints now moving forward, like I think it's going to have to be more creative, not necessarily exotic, but there's a lot more acceptance of doing things like that anymore. And, and Xavier's a piece, and so is Emeka Ibuka as well, that, that can expand the rushing attack. And whether it's these guys or Garrett Wilson before, I'm not sure what the reluctance has been to do that more frequently. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. Um, and I, I, I would hope that this, this talk from Ryan Day about like you know being bold and aggressive and attacking the offensive game plan in a, in a different way and, and the way that they did against Georgia that frankly felt like it was lacking throughout the year. I hope that opens a door for for more of that because that is definitely something that Xavier Johnson can provide. And I'm I'm I've long been someone who. Like, here's the discussions of, of guys who are walk-ons or former walk-ons and, and how good they are and how vital they are to the team. And, and I understand that, you know, in practice and um, from leadership from leadership perspective, those things can be important. But, like, thinking about just, like, on-the-field impact, I, I usually kind of just kind of brush that off. I'm like, what are you talking about? You have five-star receivers and guys all over the place. Like, this guy's not going to do anything. Xavier Johnson, like, shut me up because I think that guy is he's, – <laughs> he's really good. He is – he – I – prior to – this past year, I or maybe even now that we know he's coming back and we'll have a bigger role, like he to me is like a guy that should like go somewhere else and be like the best offensive skill position player on like a Mac team. But he's not. He's still right. he's still here, and I think Ohio State can use him in ways that that just take a lot of pressure off of everybody else in the offense, the run game, the quarterback, the offensive line. Like they have so many good athletes, use the full width of the field. I don't I don't think Ohio State always fully embraces that under Ryan Day, and that's a guy that can certainly help you do it. 
I'm glad you slowed down because we were not going to accept any CJ Saunders sl- slander on the show. That no, was, yeah, well, it turns out he's out of <laughs> yeah, it turns out he's pretty good too. And Sam Wigley's I, I, uh, the, the answer to that is just I was wrong. I've always been wrong because every time I think that about someone, <laughs> they, they just go somewhere and they're awesome. So it's a me problem. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, we'll 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 give you the benefit of the doubt on that one. I, I don't think anybody thought that uh, Wigley's was going to become the greatest receiver in Mac history either, but you know, yeah, it's, he was developed by Brian Hartline. <laughs> it, Guess the guy doesn't know what he's doing. It's to the point now where I, I, the other day I was thinking to myself, like at what point in my uh, dynasty fantasy league, do I need to think about drafting Sam Wigloose? And I was like, where do, I can't <laughs> believe I've gotten to this point. That may be a step too far, <laughs> but uh, who knows? We'll see how, how that transpires moving forward. Um, I know that there are people that want us to talk more about the newcomers and, uh, true freshman heading into spring, but after everything we said about the difficulty of getting ready for year one, I'm not sure that it would be fair to put up much ex- expectation on them heading into March. It's probably not, but I am still going to buy a whole lot of Noah Rogers stock. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that should be enough to to tide that conversation over until we get to see them a little bit because we we're expecting to have a couple open practices in spring. It's uh, you know Jerry Emig doing his thing for us and, and Ryan Day. When they're not game planning for an opponent, it, we seem to get a little <laughs> bit more. And and so we'll update that as we go along. But uh, Bill made his pick going in spring. I think Berm is on the same track as you. He also really uh, is expecting Brandon Ennis to have a factor. But that will be, again, part of the conversation in July and August for March. That's what we're going to have to leave it now as uh, spring ball is a couple of weeks away. Another position preview in the books. This time, obviously, with the wide receivers. We've got the trenches left. Uh, Bill and I will get to that next week. Maybe he'll have berm along for that conversation as well offensive and defensive line still uh left to go maybe some special teams why not bill loves to talk about the punters uh we'll we'll get to that (laughs) bridge depending on how much longer we have to go (laughs) until we can get some access again in the woody hayes athletic center uh that's a wrap for today though hope you enjoy your thursday thanks for spending part of it with us on the podcast daily he's bill i'm austin we'll see you later